Welcome to the Teen Toolkit, where our mission is to help you love raising your teens. I'm your host, Kristen McDermott, and along with my reluctant co-host, Jocelyn Baker, we will give you actionable, evidence-based skills you can apply today to embrace the joy of raising teens. Well, hi, Jocelyn. Welcome to our first podcast. Hello. I don't know about you, but I'm actually very excited. No, I, I am not very excited. I am here under duress. I was just thinking that um, I didn't have very good boundaries around the whole doing a podcast thing, uh, which ties in because today we are talking about boundaries. Um, I could use some clearly because here I am doing a podcast, even though it's very much outside of my comfort zone. So one of the reasons that I wanted you to do this podcast with me is because we talk about parenting all day, every day, and we go on other people's content podcasts and you are fantastic. So it would be really super boring if I were sitting here by myself. So I promise you, you are going to end up liking it. Well, thank you. I mean, I could talk about this subject all day long and um, I do with you regularly. One of the things that I love about my relationship with you is that I can think of like ways to manage certain issues that I'm having with my teens and I can call you and talk through what the skill is. And sometimes it's theoretical and sometimes I'm actually applying it and you just light up when we talk about it. So you have changed my relationship with my kids um, and many other people's relationships as well. Well, thanks for saying that. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, is you got to talk it through, right? That's the thing that I hear more than anything in my practice is, what do I say? How do I say that? And so just getting to have us talk through specific examples and give people scripts, I think will be really helpful for people. And that's what we're trying to do is just help people deal with the day-to-day stresses of raising teens. And we really want to change the culture of raising teens. You know, there's this belief I think a lot of people have that the teenage years just aren't fun for parents. And personally, I don't think that's true. I have loved raising teens and I have seen lots of other people love raising teens too, including you. I do. I love it. I have um, an 11-year-old, a 13-year-old, and a 15-year-old. And this right now is my favorite age so far. I remember when I had babies, a friend asked me you know, how I was doing. And I, I said, great, because that was the answer that I was supposed to give. But the real answer was that I was really, really struggling. And <clears throat> I feel like the more information that I get and the more their brains develop and the more they can really respond to skills, the better that it is for me because I'm connecting with actual people and having real conversations about things that matter. And so I, you know, my teenagers are a little on the young side of teenagers, but so far it's been wonderful. And I have a great relationship with all of them. I actually have the same experience where, I mean, I loved being a mom from the beginning, but I found those those early years when they're not rational beings to be really difficult when you have to always stay three steps ahead and be framing the consequences and it was just all this behavioral kind of parenting stuff and even still you had just the tantrums and all the boundary pushing and all that kind of stuff and then they become little creatures who actually can think logically and understand boundaries and those kind of a thing. And I actually have, I like that much better, just like you. I think the older they get, the easier it is to actually treat them like, like 
people who have minds of their own, whose opinions matter, and who you can have conversations with and negotiate with. And and so that's what we're going to try to do is help other people learn those kind of skills that, like we always say, you can apply to your life today. Every podcast, you're going to come away with skills that you can try at home that day. And so today we are talking about boundaries. So I'm you say something about boundaries that I love so much about the epidemic. So will you say... You say that for the viewers? I feel like we have an epidemic of parents, but also just people who don't know how to set boundaries that actually feel good to both parties. One of the things you and I always talk about is how boundaries are actually, some people feel like they are punitive, but we look at them as actually something that's beneficial to the relationship. So you are actually helping the relationship by being a good boundary setter because you're gonna prevent resentment. Because if you don't, if you have kind of those sort of boundaries where you say, don't do this, but then people do it and then there's no real consequence or it's a really punitive consequence that doesn't really, doesn't, doesn't work and doesn't prevent the person from then stepping over your boundary again, that's what we're trying to avoid. We're trying to avoid good feeling boundaries that actually improve the relationship. So it actually makes you a good guy to be a good boundary setter. I love that. I, and it, it took me a long time to figure out what boundaries are. And the thing that clicked for me was when I started thinking of them as verbs instead of nouns. I'm a writer. So of course I think about it like that. But for a long time, I thought boundaries were just the way I wanted to be treated. And, but the problem was, well, when somebody wasn't treating me the way that I wanted to be treated, I didn't have any recourse. And so it was like, okay, this person's violating my boundary, but what do I, what does that mean? What, what am I supposed to do next? And so after working with you one day, it just clicked. I was like, oh, it's the verb. It's the verb. And you think of it as a little bit different than the verb. You think of it as self-care. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you that boundaries are a verb also. They're not just a noun, they're a verb. You have to enforce them. And I think the thing that misses or that is missing from many people is this thing that I call a self-care step. So how am I going to take care of myself if the other person doesn't respect my boundary? And that's the thing that requires some thought. But if you do that, then you're going to get your needs met and you're not gonna be resentful, and the other person is gonna really clearly understand what the parameters are for interacting with you. And so it's the self-care step that we're gonna try to talk about today and give some examples of how we can set boundaries that feel good. So let's just um, back up a little bit and talk about this in the context of your relationship with your teen and why boundaries are so important on both sides of the equation, right? Because when we think of boundaries, we think of, of, we want to balance needs. It's not just my boundaries that need to get met. It's also my teens have boundaries as well. And so if we can talk about it from the context of, of that relationship dynamic with teens, I think that would be really helpful to parents. So in any relationship, the thing that's going to make the relationship feel good is when both people are getting their needs met or enough of their needs met. You know, in families, it's hard to balance everyone's needs, but you got to make an effort because if some people's needs are always more important than other people's, that's when resentment happens. And so that's what boundaries really do. They enforce it 
so that I can get enough of my needs met as a parent to feel like I'm being respected and, and just a valuable member of the family and vice versa. You know, that's why kids need boundaries from each other in a family, that kind of thing. One of the things that I think is interesting that happens sometimes is that the kids needs sometimes take, they take priority in ways that exhaust the parents and that really kind of demote them to like second-class citizens. And then there's also on the other side of it, it is just the parents making the call all of the time. And the kids are feeling controlled and resentful and they have resistance. And so I love this idea of having a family that just really where everybody understands what a boundary is and how to enforce that boundary. And you talk about the self-care step, um, which is really to me, I think of it as a commitment that no matter what happens, I'm going to make sure that I get my most important needs met without sacrificing other people's needs. So I think it helps to give people some examples. I agree. So why don't you start out with the one that you were talking about just, you know, in the car when you're driving a car? Sure. So I think it's common for our teens get in the car and they're scrolling on their phones and they're being kind of rude to us. And they're, you know, answering in like one syllable replies and grunting and just taking that, you know, attitude that teenagers are known for. Meanwhile, we're driving them to their friend's house and it starts to feel like you're a chauffeur. And that's, that is not a good feeling for a parent. So how do boundaries play in, in something like that? So you have to think of what your need is, right? So you, as a, in that example, what are you needing as a parent, you know, in order to feel better about doing that chauffeuring? Right. I need to not feel like a chauffeur. I need to feel like I'm in the car with somebody who likes me and appreciates my time and that, you know, they understand that I'm doing them a favor by driving them to their friend's house and they're going to make it as pleasant as possible. And I also want my teens just independent of whether it's me in the car or someone else in the car, I want them to have good manners. And when someone is doing a favor for them, I want them to be positive and happy and gracious about that favor. So then you'd be really specific if you were gonna say to your teen, hey, I've decided that I wanna put some boundaries around what happens when I chauffeur you all over town. And you exactly. would say, "I, if I'm gonna do that, I these are the things that I would ask of you to be, Pay attention, not be on your phone. Yeah. yeah. What would you say? Be a good conversationalist. Be pleasant with me. Talk to me. Don't be on your phone. Um, just engage with me in conversation so that this drive that I'm making for you feels better to me. Feels good to me. Feels good to me so that I, I'm happy that I'm doing this for you. So, I mean, just saying that right there, by the way, in that tone feels great. Like most people in families actually want the other people to get their needs met. But they just, people don't talk that way. You know, you and I talk about speaking the language of needs. And that is like a skill before the boundaries, right? It's like learning to say out loud, hey, this is what I need to feel good about this. This is what I need from you in the car in order to feel good about being your chauffeur. And when you say it that way, it's like, okay. But most people stop there, right? And then the next day come, well, yeah, what were you gonna say? Well, or they don't even say it and they just, it pushes their buttons and then, then they get cranky with their teen and then their teen who doesn't have the skill set either, you know, responds in kind. And it's just this like back and forth of just kind of nitpickiness that doesn't feel good to anybody. 
And when I talk to parents, what they routinely say is, I don't want to be a nag. That doesn't feel good to me. This, is, this stage is bringing out this version of myself that I don't even like. So, you know, I know my, my kids don't like me because I'm always on top of them. And so for whatever reason, that like that step of just saying it out loud gets skipped, I think sometimes. I mean, you're totally right. It does get skipped. And um, so then you have, you know, as the parent, you're sitting there thinking, God, these kids are just, they're just so rude. They're so disrespectful. But the truth is, maybe they should be able to read your mind, but they're just, they have so many other things on, on their minds. They don't know exactly why you're upset, right? They don't actually maybe know that it's because you want to have a conversation with them, right? They're just in their own world. And so I always say with needs, we cannot expect people to read our minds, even the closest people in our lives. We have to say it out loud, right? And even the ones that seem so obvious, it seems so obvious to me that if you're a guest in some, or not a guest, if you're a, a passenger in somebody's car, that you're making conversation with them. But kids don't know that. They don't know that. So, okay, so, you, so you've done a hugely great thing already by just saying, hey, I've thought about it, and this is what I need in order to feel good about doing this thing for you. But that is not enough. Now comes the self-care step. The self-care step is, and here's how I'm going to take care of myself if you are not willing to meet this need, right? And that would be what? Like if it were me, I would say, you know, I'm just, I'm not going to drive you. Like I don't, I have plenty of other things to do with my time. I am not going to chauffeur rude people, but I don't know what, what's yours. Yeah. Same thing. And, and if I was in the car with them, I would be willing to turn that car around. Now I would at first, when I was first making this change, I would give them a little bit of wiggle room. I would, you know, remind them in the car, Hey, remember what we talked about. So put your phone down and let's like come up with something that we can talk about or at a minimum sit quietly in the car. But you know, you don't get to watch your TikTok videos while I'm sitting right next to you. Um, so I would give them a little bit of wiggle room at first, but there would come a time when I would say, okay, I've had enough. And I would turn the car around. I would turn the car around and I can, I would say, we can try this another time, but, but I've, I'm, I'm not going to do this. I mean, the obvious problem with that is if it's somewhere you need your kids to go. Right? <laughs> so it's like, this is the thing. This is why thinking through the self-care step has to actually be something that works for you, right? So if you're, you know, then you could say, well, I'm not going to drive you to your friend's house, but, you know, yeah, I'm going to drive you to soccer. But if then maybe there's something else, you know, maybe it's, you know, you can't have your phone while I'm driving okay. you to soccer, you know, whatever it is. But the point is, it's not punitive. You're saying like, this is what I need in order to feel good about this. And if you start the conversation, which is what you and I always talk about, we're trying to start conversations and be transparent with our kids. You know, your kid can say, that just feels like you're asking too much. And then you can be like, well, okay, what, you know, help me understand what you're thinking. I mean, you can, you may not agree and you may ultimately win, but the point is it's, the conversation when it's around needs, your kid has the ability to say, you know what, I actually really need my phone when we're in the car because I have to do, you know, X, Y, Z for school or whatever. And now you're having a conversation about balancing needs and maybe you can find another way to have clear boundaries. Absolutely. And one of the things that I think is important is that the conversations about needs, those first early conversations, we try to keep them as positive as possible. So instead of saying, hey, I'm noticing that you're a spoiled brat in the car and I don't like it and stop being so rude to me. We're saying, 
hey, you know, I really need to feel good about my relationship with you. And one of the ways that you can help me with that is when I'm driving you somewhere, can you engage in conversation with me? Because starting to feel a little bit like I'm a chauffeur and I don't want that. I want a fun, interactive relationship with you. And our kids want that too. I mean, they don't always show up in ways that communicate that that's what they want, but they do. They want to feel close to their parents. They want their parents to feel proud of them. They want all of that. Uh, can I just say, add something to that? Because I love that you brought that up. Because as a therapist of teens and young adults, the thing that I find so striking is that no matter how bad a relationship is between a teen and their parent and how long it's been bad, teens are wired. Like we as human beings, we are wired to want a close relationship with our parents. We may bury that underneath all this anger and you know disconnection and yuckiness, but it is there. It, they want it. And I don't know how to get anyone to understand that except for just to trust me on it. You know, how many adults do you know who right. still are trying to work on their relationship with their parent. It's just it's just human nature to want that. So when we give our kids the opportunity to actually hear them and and have conversations about balancing both of our sets of needs, then we learn about them. We you know, we we just we open the door for that relationship where they feel like we're really listening and hearing them. One of the things that I want to add too on that is that when you look at the entire relationship dynamic, it's feeling better to both people. You said this earlier, if both people are getting their needs met. And so one of the things that we teach is this idea of just checking in in your head and going, is this need of mine a fair need um, or am I infringing on my child's need? And some of the times we can even speak that out loud to give our kids the awareness and the recognition that, that we're thinking about them too. And that we want to hear, we want to hear, Hey, do you think what I'm saying is, is not fair? Is there something I'm missing here? Because you're right. There might be something that you're, you're missing in there. You know, maybe they're on their phone because they have to do schoolwork and they're really busy. And they're like, look, this is the only time that I can do something for school. And that is a whole different conversation than a conversation around, Hey, you know, you're being rude on your phone. I love that you brought that up about just checking in in relationships to make sure that we really aren't overstepping because sometimes we do. Sometimes our needs, we can be the one who is having our needs too high up. I mean, it's not that common for parents to do that, but sometimes, right? We can be the one who are just missing that there's some really important needs of the child or the other person that are just not getting met at all. Yeah, we give, um, um, just for the viewers to know, we give an exact formula for this. And so it's at um, mcdermottmethod.com slash parents, you can find resources. And we give really just like the boundary setting blueprint where it's step-by-step, step. here's how you go through and you say what your boundary is and you check in with yourself to make sure that you're not infringing on somebody else's boundary. And you you make sure that you're using your self-care step um, and enforcing that boundary. But let's talk about, let's talk about, we had other examples of this. So I think our our second example, what was our second example that we're doing? Oh, our second example was going to be like teenager, a teenager borrowing your clothes. Oh, a teenager borrowing your clothes. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's routinely parents who let their kids borrow their clothes and then their clothes come back, you know, to that certain point where you're about to Or don't come back. 
And yeah, the they fall on the floor. They don't. I mean, I'll I'll find my things sometimes on my, you know, shoved in a corner in my daughter's room. Um, it's not a huge problem in my house. We've mostly been able to manage it. Um, but but can you give give some thoughts on on how a parent would handle that? I mean, yeah, for my boundaries would be that you need to put them back in the same condition that they were in or let me know if there's something that's not okay with them. Like if they need to be washed or dry cleaned or whatever, if there's a problem with them. So it's like your responsibility if you're gonna borrow something to either leave it in good condition or help me know what to do with it. And I mean, it is so interesting because this can be one of those ones that starts arguments, but this is such a clear example, I think, of just this is what I need from you in order for you to borrow my clothes. But again, if you stop there, there's not enough information, right? So right. you have to go on to the step of, um, to the step of, or what will I do? What will I do if you won't help me meet those needs of having clean, tidy clothes when I, where they are when I want to find them? And that would just be, I'm not gonna let you borrow them anymore. And, you know, that would be enough. I wouldn't have to probably, you know, lock my door. because My daughter is not going to go, you know, take things if I don't want her to. But, um, I mean, that's such an easy example of if you would like to do this, then this is what is going to happen. Or you can't. Or they're not available to you anymore. And I'm not going to necessarily buy you something either. If you can't treat clothing nicely, I'm not as inclined to go and buy you new clothes the next time you want something just for yourself. That's just sort of a natural consequence to me. One of the things that comes up for me is that a lot of the boundaries that parents are enforcing or can be enforcing are really just training our kids on how to show up in the world. Mm -hmm. It's not even like it is, yes, it is your need, of course, but it's also, here's how you treat someone well. And we, we have to learn it at home and it's way better to learn it at home than it is when you're older and you haven't learned this. And I know for me as a parent, I want my kids to be happy. I want to let them borrow my clothes. It feels good to me to be able to do that. And so I can see how you can take it. You can let your boundary get violated too many times and you, you have to circle back and go, wait a minute, this is not just about my needs, but it's also an opportunity for me to teach my kid a really important skill, which is being respectful of other people's belongings, treating the people that I love well, um, and being respectful of things that people have spent money on as well. So I want to say something about how you just said about training, you know, our training our kids you know, how to be, because I think the opposite is true too, where we train our kids that they can cross our boundaries. If we yeah. don't have the self-care step, if we don't enforce them. So there's someone in my household who shall remain nameless, who, um, did this for a while with the dishes. And he would say, I want you all to help with the dishes, but then not really enforce it and then not have any consequence for it and then do it himself and then complain again the next day. And so the kids just got trained. They didn't really have to do them. The only thing they had to listen to was a little complaining, which really wasn't right. that big of a deal. So they just, and so it just was so interesting. It's like, if you really want them to do it, then you have to say, or X, you know, if I, it's taking time out of my life to do the dishes every night. So if you won't help me, I have less time to do the things that are on my list, which means I might not have time to 
drive you to your friend's house or whatever that would be. I mean, a lot of times for me, it comes back to time because time yeah. is so precious as a parent. You know, there, there are obviously other ways to make boundaries around that, but um, that's how I would handle kids who aren't helpful in the house. It just takes so much of my time that now I don't have time to do the things that you are asking me to do for you. That is such a good one. The whole um, just household cleaning up after yourself and household chores. And um, one of the strategies that I used for a bit in my house was to just use laundry. I, I, I need things to be clean. I just, I need things to be organized and clean. Um, and my kids just weren't getting that. And so I had laundry baskets where I would just put their dirty dishes and their clothes and their homework and everything in the laundry basket and put it outside their door and go here, this is for you to deal with. Um, and it didn't take very long for them to go, oh, I'm going to, need to do these things more routinely. Um, you had mentioned earlier that in your house, you wouldn't have to do anything other than ask your daughter to return your clothes or she doesn't get to borrow them. But I think when kids have been trained that they can violate boundaries, that self-care step does sometimes need to be mm. more severe, at least at the beginning while the kids are learning it. So, um, you know, it might be, or I'm going to lock my door. I'm going to lock my, you know, closet door, or I'm going to put your dirty dishes in a laundry hamper. Um, it's something like that. So that the kids go, oh, okay, this, this actually matters. My, mm. my parent means what they're saying, I mean. Yeah, no, you're right. When you're changing behavior like that, because they are trained, you know? It's a, it takes a bit to make the point that you're really gonna do something. And by the way, one other thing is that, you know, teenagers are wired to push boundaries too, right? Yeah. To test, and so maybe, and it's like hard as an adult to suddenly start enforcing boundaries. It's just can be one of those things that's difficult for people and it can just feel, people. it can make people uncomfortable. So teens will hone in on that and push and push and push to see if you're really going to be a stickler. So the thinking through, thinking through and assuming you are going to have to follow through on the self-care step or the consequence, whatever you want to call it, you got to really make sure that you are willing to do what you say you're going to do. I love that you said that because I use this analogy in my house, which is, so we had, we owned rabbits for a while. We don't anymore. We were bad rabbit owners. Um, and what I very quickly learned about rabbits is that they will dig their way out of the enclosure that they were in if they can. And so you'll patch up that area and make it so they can't dig there. And then they just find another area. And eventually, if you've patched up all the areas, they stop trying to dig their way out. And I think of that with boundaries with one specific child of mine who will just like go away and then come back and try a different angle and go away and come back and try a different angle. And it is exhausting and I'm busy. And there are times when I just get distracted and I, I don't pay attention to the fact that she's digging under the enclosure. Um, but, but I like using that analogy because it reminds me that my kid's not a bad kid. Um, I'm not doing a bad job as a parent. I just, they're rabbits. Teenagers are rabbits that will dig holes. That's how they, that's how they approach boundaries. I mean, it's such a great analogy and it just brings me back to if you're doing this on the fly, it's hard. It's hard to always think of, wait, what's my boundary? What's a consequence? I don't know. That's why thinking through the things that are your daily triggers, 
-hmm. and what makes sense? What is a good boundary and a good self-care step that you are not going to find yourself like, oh, shoot, I said I was going to turn the car around, but we have to get to piano, you know, just right. think, it, think it through on the big ones while you're practicing for sure. Right. And the other thing, one other thing that I thought of on this is that I think it's really important that you know what your self-care step is, what your verb is, what your action is. But there comes a time when you don't have to say it all of the time. And that, in fact, not saying it is kindness to the relationship. Because once kids start understanding what those dynamics are and what your needs are and what boundaries are, and they start living within those confines, you can just ask them. You can just say, hey, it would feel better to me if you washed your dishes right after breakfast um, so we can leave the house and have it be clean. And your kids will be like, okay, my parent has made their point with, with chores. I'm going to just do that. And, and that self-care step doesn't need to be spoken. Well, and I, I think again, bringing it back to the conversation, right? So if you start talking like this and your kid does some big eye roll or whatever sigh under their breath, my response would be like, oh, wait, so you think I should do that? Like, if, yeah. like you, you think I should do that? I mean, if you do, we can have that conversation. But so when you're looking at the list of things and how this is balancing out, you think that should go back on my plate? Because if you're not nasty about it and you're legitimately asking, like nine times out of 10, your kid's gonna be like, no, I right. shouldn't do it. Right? Right, they know, <laughs> they do know. Yeah. And I, I want to be cognizant of time. Um, so we do need to wrap this up here, but I think I wanted, I wanted to talk about that a little bit too. Your, your kids know, they know. And so I love that example of just asking them like, well, how do you think I should handle this? Which you and I have talked about before with big issues with our kids is to say to them, okay, you have violated a boundary. How do you think I should handle this? Because Oftentimes their response to that is more severe than what our response would be. And it puts them in the position of ownership and responsibility and, you know, taking ownership for taking accountability for their behavior. I mean, I could not say it better. You are totally well, right. You're right. It's the big things like the lying, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, that is just such a boundary that you crossed. And I feel so disrespected. And I really, I don't, I don't know what to do about this. Like, what would you do if you were me as your mom? What would you do? Yeah. And you're right. My one particular child that I'm thinking of always came down harder on himself than I would have. Yeah, they do. They do. Um, and I think that that's just human behavior is when they, when they're not resisting you, that they're more likely to take accountability for their actions. Yep. All right. That's a good place to end. Way to wrap it up. Oh, well, thank you. I guess it's good that I was here, even though I did. I am glad you came, even though you didn't want to. And we're going to keep doing more of these. And I really appreciate the conversation. You always add so much. So thanks for doing this with me. Oh, well, thank you. You have really, really transformed my relationship with my kids. So even though I joke that I don't want to be here, and I kind of don't want to be here. I also am very honored to be here. So thank you. <laughs> All right. See you next time. Bye. <laughs>